A long-track EF3 tornado comes through your area. Damage extends for miles, with many homes destroyed. There are some fatalities. Hundreds are injured. You have some property damage, but you and your family are safe. You come out and find that the family of five next door have major damage, including a tree in the living room. Three of the five are injured, one seriously. Emergency services won't get there for several hours. Do you have the confidence that you can help keep these folks alive until professional help arrives? With the right mindset, you can. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello and welcome. This is episode 173 of Practical Prepping Podcast. Our topic is having a prepper mindset, having your head in the game, and staying cool when stuff hits the fan. But first, let's make a few announcements. One, we're looking for some listener interviews. We'd like to know how and why you got into prepping, how you have used your preps in the past. Maybe you have some questions about prepping and consider it a free personal coaching session. We would like to interview you and you can ask your questions on the podcast. If you would be interested in being a listener interviewee, drop us an email and we will certainly get back with you. And we can do that anywhere in the world. We can either do it by telephone or we can do it by computer. Don't worry about that. We'll work out the logistics and we'll get a good interview out of that. But if you're willing and interested, if you would, drop us an email. Now, I was noticing something today. What's that? We have listeners in Ukraine. Well, God bless them. We do have listeners. Well, I hope they're not in Ukraine now. Well, it may depend. You know what I heard on the news just this morning? We said yesterday or the day before about the women and elderly and children that were streaming out. Mm -hmm. I found on the news today that several of these young women, the 20s and 30s, some of the 40s, they're coming back. They're going back into Ukraine to pick up arms and to defend. And one of those was Miss Ukraine. She is a beauty pageant queen. Wow. And she is drop-dead gorgeous. And she's like 24, 25 years old. And she's doing that very thing. That's awesome. She, she I've forgotten what major worldwide pageant she was in, but she was Miss Ukraine for that. And she went back and took up arms. And her statement was, anybody comes across the border to invade, we kill them. Well, they're defending their homeland. They are. And I would be the same way if it was ours. There was a young man in Ukraine being interviewed today. And his, the reporter naturally asked him, what's your take on all of this? And the young man put it very clearly. He said, we're defending our home. Russia doesn't know what they're doing. And it took the reporter a little bit by surprise because they're reporting now that Russia's not pulling out all the stops. They're actually using antiquated techniques and, and implements and tanks, and they're not trying to pull out all the stops. They're trying to fight with some of their leftover armament, and it's sad that they're using any of it. But uh, Ukraine says, we know why we're fighting, and we're going to stand. Exactly. So if you're one of our listeners in Ukraine, you can be assured that we are praying for you. 
Now, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do it one of a few ways. One is to just start your Amazon shopping at our website, www.practicalprepping.info. Click on the Amazon link on the front page, and that will take you to Amazon, and then you just shop as you normally do. Cost you nothing extra, but it does pay us a small commission, which goes to support the podcast. Another way is you can buy us a cup of coffee, and you know how we like our coffee. Mm. And you can do that at buymeacoffee.com slash practical prep. Our show is being brought to you by Jim Curtis Knives. Jim Curtis makes custom knives, and they're as functional as they are beautiful. Jim builds every knife by hand. He pays attention to every detail. You can design your own knife with the type of steel, the blade length, the shape, or you can purchase one he has already made. There is a lifetime guarantee with each Jim Curtis knife and also lifetime sharpening. They are so sharp, he will send them out each with two Band-Aids. And I can tell you that Mark has already used up at least two of the four Band-Aids he's gotten because I got him two Jim Curtis knives. Check out Jim's work on Facebook at Jim Curtis Knives or click on the link in the show notes. Tell him we sent you. He'll be glad you did. All right, let's get to the episode today. Now... I looked up the meaning, the definition of mindset, and this is what it said. A fixed mental attitude or disposition that predetermines a person's responses to and interpretations of situations. Now, I want to focus on four words there. First word is fixed. Fixed means your mind is stayed on something. Right. And, we, you know, we can decide certain things, and then those are no longer negotiable. Right. They are fixed. They, they are, are fixed. grounded. Mm-hmm. They're done. End of story. Second one is attitude. That's what we believe, either positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And Henry Ford said that whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're probably right. Yeah, I like that. Your attitude could mean the difference between life or death. Absolutely can. Now, predetermines, that's the actions that are decided beforehand. You know, you may not know the whole plan at the time, but you have to act based on what you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like walking through the woods with a small flashlight. You can't see where you're going, but you can see the next step you're going to take. Exactly. And so you take it one step at a time, but you know where you're going. You know how you're going to get there. And that predetermines your attitude and your mindset predetermines the actions that you will take. Now, here's an example. You want to talk about our power outage plan? What is our mindset for our power outage plan? Sure. Our mindset is that a power outage with snow is no big deal. Mm -mm. Our attitude is we will make it just fine. We're fixed on that and we're convinced we can handle it. Here's what we'll do. We'll pull out the Mr. Heater Big Buddy and the propane tank. We'll pull out the generator. We'll pull out the propane camp stove. And in just a very short order, we'll be able to read or watch TV or eat or stay warm. And we'll get through it just fine. Yes, because that's, I mean, we're sharing this with you because we're practical preppers. We know you're a practical prepper. And those are some practical things that you can do to handle the emergency that just showed up in your life. Mm Mm-hmm interpretations. That's how we view things, how we interpret events. You know, I know people that are like this. They're kind of natured to the negative. If 
they look for bad, they'll see bad. And then I know people that are very optimistic and cheerful. If they look for good, they'll find good. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times how you interpret your situation in an emergency or a disaster will very much determine how well you make the next right choice and what next step you're going to take. Because, you know, if it's all doom and gloom and wringing your hands and and plugging your head into the sand, yeah, Betty, it's over. And you will get what you look for. Exactly. But if you can stay cool-headed, understand your mindset, lean on your training, your preps, and your plans, you're going to find that you're going to be able to make the right decisions step after step. Yeah, and that prepper mindset believes that we can survive anything. Such as? Well, natural disasters, which we prepare for. We can survive injuries, at least reasonable injuries. I believe that I can survive a gunfight. You know, you've taught me a lot about that, that mm-hmm. very thing, because obviously a lot of folks have a fear. They fear they're they very fearful of firearms and they don't have the training for them. So they assume the worst all the time. But you have taught me a lot about the handling, the training, the practice, the approach and the mindset, fire, and the mindset to firearms. And you've helped me to understand that I have overcome a lot of fears that I had about. I, men- I mentioned to you one time, I said, well, what if I get shot? And you were like, it's not Stay like in the fight. It's not like in the movies where every bullet finds its target. Most of the time, what you're going to find is even in a gunfight, sometimes if 20 bullets are fired, two may actually hit. You're more likely to get missed than to get hit. And so there's some things that make me feel like, oh, I can be more empowered now, knowing Mm -hmm. that even if someone's shooting at me, there's a very good chance they won't get me. Well, just don't stand still. No, no. Shoot and move. Certainly not. But back in the 60s, I guess it was, people, when they got shot, they sat down. They quit. Yeah. Well, now we train, stay in the fight. Yeah. And when we do munitions training and we're actually shooting at each other with 325 feet per second chalk pieces coming out of a nine millimeter. You feel it, don't you? Oh, it hurts. (laughs) But we train to stay in the game. It doesn't matter how many times you're hit, you stay in the fight. You finish the fight. Well, you've told me if you're not moving, you're shooting. And if you're not shooting, you're moving. Just, you know, just interchange those words. Or reloading, of course. Mm-hmm. But yes, even something like that with the prepper. Well, this is hard to say. With the proper prepper mindset, we can survive quite a bit more than we think we can. Absolutely. And that prepper mindset causes us to believe that we can help other people. Well, you see that time after time. It doesn't take much to see a news report where the reporters are showing neighbors coming out and helping neighbors, strangers meeting on the street, helping each other through whatever the situation is. And I think preppers at heart do have a heart for people and want to use their skills and their products and their preps to help others. I'll give you a good example there. I have two or three chainsaws out in the garage and I have gasoline and I have electric and I have long bars and short bars and I have some extra bars. And a lot of that's because I did so much disaster relief over the years. But if we had a problem in this neighborhood and a neighbor is trying to cut up a tree with his chainsaw and he breaks his chain, then I'll go into my garage and I'll get him a new chain. And I'll give that to him. And if he wants to replace it later, he can. If he doesn't, that's okay too. But we can help others. Preppers are not selfish people. 
No, really, they're not. They're really not. Now, we don't tell you everything we have. Well, we're not dumb people either. <laughs> we're, we're smart, unselfish people. But we do believe that we'll get through most anything. And we've had certain events to take place in our lives that our preps certainly got us through. Oh, they certainly did. Thank the good Lord for that. Now, we are not personally doomsday preppers. No, we're not. A doomsday prepper mindset is that there will likely be a societal changing event, or Tiatwaki, the end of the world as we know it, and they prepare for that possibility. They're preparing for EMP, CME, nuclear attacks, global pandemic, and maybe even the alien zombie frogs. Well, these are the ones that we do see in some forums from time to time. And they're not the least bit concerned about food, water, or first aid. They're all about building bunkers, staying secluded, hiding away, speaking to no one, 25 to 50 years of food and water, and then they're just going to homestead after and rebuild the world. Now, personally, we are, and we like that term, practical preppers. And that's why we picked that term when we wrote our book and when we named our podcast. And we have a belief that stuff happens, and we'd better be prepared to get through it. You know, we're about to come into spring Mm -hmm. in Alabama. And for anyone that lives in the southern region of the United States, there's just something about spring that makes our alert a little heightened. Well, it's tornadoes. That's right, because the weather, even today, got to be 70 degrees. That weather's getting warmer, and we know that spring, which we love spring, but spring brings the tornadoes. Oh, it certainly does. And then you get into hurricane season on the coast, Mm, you get into wildfires in the upper northwest, and just about anywhere we can have an ice storm or a snowstorm, even in Texas where nobody ever thought it would snow. And I think about the lady on I-95 that was making a 15-minute trip. Oh, you're talking about in Virginia? In Virginia, Mm -hmm. with the snow, what, a couple of months ago. And she said she was just making a 15-minute trip, so she didn't take anything with her. And she wound up being on that interstate for like 15, 16 hours Mm -hmm. with nothing to eat, nothing to drink. And so that's a good reason to be prepared, have your car bag, things happen. I also think about that couple that was stuck in a cabin for four weeks. I believe they were in the topmost part of California that Mm -hmm. had received a tremendous amount of uh, snow. And we're talking by the foot. And so it it blocked them up into their house. That and a tree fell across their exit and they were unable to get out. But do you know how they survived? I was about to say I'd really like to know a lot more about that, but I don't. Well, they prepped. They had supplies. They were not panicking. They were fine. They they had food. They had water. They had their supplies. They had a generator. They did have some power outage, and I think there was some cell phone outage tower-wise, but they were able to get some word out just to let people know, hey, we're fine. Mm -hmm. Don't waste resources trying to rescue us because we're okay. So, yes, they were blocked in their house with 8 to 10 feet of snow, but they just made the best of a bad situation, and they used their preps and got through. And they understand stuff happens. Be prepared. Mm -hmm, That's a good saying. Now, we also prepare for power outages. Now, we mentioned that a while ago. Power outages can be natural. They can be man-made. Tornado can come through, and it'd be two or three weeks before you have any power. Hurricane can come through, and 
you might be four, five, six weeks before you have power. Mm. And I have seen longer. We also, and we've seen this in the last year or so, and that's some food shortages. Yes, yeah, some of those shelves are going empty again. Mm-hmm. And the supply chain interruptions, and we kind of expect more of those, along with some droughts that we have from time to time that causes shortages. And there's something else that we haven't thought about, is this war in Ukraine is going to affect the wheat supply. Well, even though the United States does not depend fully on Ukraine for wheat, in fact, we export wheat as well as yeah, Ukraine. Yeah, we don't, we don't import Ukrainian wheat, but other people do. Well, it's a domino effect mm-hmm. when you think about it, because here you've got the Ukrainian market being disrupted entirely. Now, the nations that depend on Ukrainian wheat now cannot get wheat at the price they've agreed to, they have to look at another country to say, hey, can we buy out of your supply? And other countries will say, sure, but the price may be three times higher. Mm -hmm. That's going to affect the manufacturing costing. Because it's supply and demand. It's supply and demand all the way down the chain, and that's just the way to, you know, that's business. And some other things that we prep for, and that is job loss, lockdowns, car accidents, Injuries at home, even flat tires and dead batteries. We even prep for uh, situations like long-term care of, a, let's say someone's ill, has an illness and they have to have home care. Uh, a caregiver may be with that person 24-7, you know, 365. And so there's a certain amount of prepping that can even help that situation as well, because that's a special need and needs attention. And you've got to think about how that person in a medical emergency would be impacted by a power outage or major storm or food shortages. Another practical prepping mindset is a belief that we may be on our own after a disaster So we'd better be prepared. We may be alone on our own for hours. We may be on our own for days or weeks. You mentioned in the opening the tornado had come through, and it's going to be a couple of hours before any professional services are going to get there. And that's because those emergency services can become very overwhelmed. You can have people trapped in damaged homes. And the question is, are you prepared to help? Yeah. Do you have sufficient first aid knowledge to take action? When bleeding is happening, you've got to stop some bleeding and you've got to care for some people that are injured. It may fall to you. Mm -hmm. Now, what you don't want to do is be out running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Mm -hmm. You country folks know exactly what I'm talking about, (laughs) but that's kind of like running around flopping and running off at the mouth. and No, No use to anybody. No use to anybody and just making a mess. We realize that we need to keep cool in crisis. I will give you credit. You are the coolest cat in the room. I've seen many situations that have flustered pretty much everybody else, and you're over there, Mr. Cool, Mr. Calm. And I know exactly why. I've been there. You've trained to be that way. You've had to experience that cool-headed behavior. And I want you to know I admire that. And it's something to behold because... I've watched you. It doesn't mean you're not feeling something deeply. It doesn't mean you're not hurt emotionally on the inside. It doesn't mean any of those things. It means that you have decided to keep your head cool, be able to make qualified decisions based on the information you have. And I will tell you, I think you're the best at it I've ever seen. Well, when you've done it as long as I have, you get pretty good at it. And there's a world full of us out there. 
But now we realize that not everybody can do that. And that comes from some of the things we've seen and done and walked through and had to experience. And we realize that some folks suffer from anxiety attacks or panic attacks. And, you know, this may not be your bailiwick. This may not be the thing that you're cut out for. But you may get put in that situation. Well, I think you know yourself best or a trusted person in your life, if you're willing to accept honest critique, maybe ask that trusted person, give me an assessment of myself. How cool would I be in a disaster situation? And and maybe you have some personal work to do, and that would be fine. That's okay. If you recognize it, you can do something about it. And you're getting better. <laughs> I wasn't talking about me. <laughs> you're getting better. You think I was talking about me. Okay. Well, well, let me tell you, there's a technique that you've written down here. It's pretty cool. It's called box breathing. And this was actually formulated as a stress reliever and a stress control, but it's part of training. If your mind can revert back to a technique that's going to help kind of de-stress you, then why wouldn't you use it, especially if it's free and it, good for you? It helps you to remain in control or to gain control again. Okay. Box breathing is explained this way. And uh, maybe Mark will demonstrate. What you do is you draw a breath in for a time of four seconds. You hold that breath for four seconds. Then you exhale for four seconds. And then you stop and hold that for four seconds. And then you repeat. <laughs> I was going to hold you a little bit longer than that. Yeah, that... that, that uh... That breathing in for four seconds was mm-hmm. about like eight. But anyway, well, you get the idea. If you'll take those deep breaths for four seconds, I mean, just as deep as you can. Fill your lungs up. Put it in your pockets if you have to. But mm-hmm. get as much air in there as you can. Hold it four seconds. And then take, don't just blow it all out. Exhale for four seconds. Yeah, I've learned it it out easy. Exactly. Ease it out. And then when all the air is out, just hold. Hold that for four seconds. And And you can do that a couple of times. You can probably do several reps on that. Now, don't get dizzy, you know. Well, true. (laughs) And, you know, we're talking about here in crisis. We're talking about you don't have five minutes to get yourself ready to go do what you got to do. Sometimes when you're in situations, we've got, what, four, eight, twelve 16 seconds there. 16 seconds is a long time when you need to be going to do something. Understood. And so sometimes all you can do is just take a deep breath and go on about your business. Well, it gives your mind a a bit of just a, a second or two to maybe get clear, get some clarity, gain control of yourself. And then move ahead with whatever it is that you feel is the best thing to do. And sometimes we've been on the scene of some major accidents and such as that. And, you know, we've been working in this situation and we just have to step back. Now, this this helps when you've got multiple people there, but you're able to step back and take those few breaths or do a little bit of box breathing. But one of the things to keeping your cool in crisis is to plan ahead. Yes, you've got to plan. What could happen? You've got to plan for different scenarios. I guess this is technically risk assessment or threat assessment. It It is to some degree, but it's also just kind of visualizing ahead. Now, let me use this example. When law enforcement officers, or most of the time when law enforcement officers get a call to a particular, what 
some folks call hot calls. You start thinking about, and you've probably been there before, so you're thinking about, okay, I need to approach from this angle because somebody could pop out over there or they could pop out over there. And so you're just thinking through scenarios of things that could happen. And you can take these scenarios, and I, I just use the, the defensive ones there, but what happens, what do you do if there's a tree fell on your roof? Right. Well, that depends. We're going to check it and see, and then if it needs a tarp over it, we're going to put a tarp over it. If it's big enough for us to cut it off, we're going to do that. If not, we're going to tarp, stop the water coming in as best we can and call the tree guys to come take it out. If it's laying all the way on the floor and it came through the ceiling, then you just probably need to cover up what's inside and move what you can because you got a problem there. Mm, that's a big But problem. think through some of these things. What would you do in that situation? And how do we prepare? We mentioned our power outage plan, and we have that, and we know what to do, and it's really quite simple because we've thought through it. Right. And, and we've used, and by experience, we've used our preps and our plan mm -hmm. for power outage. And so we know what to do. But what happens if you, let's say, come upon a car wreck? Well, I actually passed three today on my way home from work. I mentioned it to you, and one of them looked pretty nasty. In fact, they were still clearing it 40 minutes after I passed it. Yeah, but there was professional help already professional there. Professional help was already there. So I'm just, I took note in my mind that there's a car wreck, you know, and the authorities are already there. But you first, let's say you're one of the first to come on it. Maybe it just happened and it's, no one's even called 911 yet. Well, we were coming home from the Southern family and we were on a two lane road and a wreck occurred right behind us, literally. We heard it. Well, and I saw, saw it in the it. mirror. He mm -hmm. almost hit us. Right, and we stopped and immediately so to we, we stopped render aid. We had medical bandaging and such there, so we found a safe place to park. And do not get out if you cannot find a safe place to park, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. And do not leave your small children in the car by themselves to go check on somebody else. Now, I've got a question for you about that. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're a doctor or a nurse, and you've got a two-year-old in the car seat, and a wreck happens. What do they have to do? Aren't they compelled to help? There, there is a failure. A there's a charge in this state on failure to render aid. That aid can be calling 911. Understood. Right. And Understand. so that would relieve them of that responsibility. If you've got two adults in the car, that's great. Mm -hmm. One stays with the kids and one gets out. Oh, that's that's a no-brainer. But Now, let me illustrate a story, and, and, and this happened to my youngest daughter, Randy is her name. She was going to meet us at my parents' house, and she was driving about 16 or 18 miles to get there. And she called me and she said, Daddy, I just witnessed a rollover accident, and this was at night, and it was on a six-lane highway interstate, so there were three lanes on her side. And she said, what do I do? I said, have you already called 911? She said, yes, sir, I have. I called them first, but what do I do? She told me where she was, and she was right at the beginning of an exit. 
and I said, turn your car around facing the traffic on the side of the road and begin flashing your lights on and off. Get this traffic slowed down. And then she yelled, and another car had hit the one that had rolled over. Oh, wow. Well, then there was a nurse that stopped on the other side, and this was unknown to Randy at the time, but the nurse had stopped before the second car hit, and when the second car hit, it sent the nurse flying. Oh, no. Thankfully, she was scratched up and not seriously injured, but then... and. She really wasn't that far from us, and son-in-law and I jumped in the car in my truck and went over there, and we went up the wrong way on the exit to get to her. We actually assisted with the injured, and as we were clearing things up, a third vehicle came down through there and clipped the second vehicle, and he went off the road into the woods. What in the world was causing all of that? People were not paying attention. Golly, that's wild. And it's amazing how many people don't pay attention while driving. And I'll just leave that right there. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's another podcast. All right. Now, how about if a child gets cut or, or breaks a bone? Yeah. So, I mean, let's face it. That's happened to a lot of non-medical parents, okay? so all, Probably all of us. <laughs> yes. You'll need that first aid kit. And if you've never splinted an arm or a leg before, at least YouTube it and do try to do some practice on a good arm or a good leg just so you can feel what it feels mm-hmm. like to put a splint there and then bandage it because you, you do want to kind of train your mind to just do it, you know? Yeah, and some of that stuff seems to take three hands to do, to hold a splint in place and well, wrap it with gauze. True. You need a little bit of practice with that. We need to practice with our first aid things. Sometimes you just need to take a deep breath and go on and do what you need to do. That's right, because that prepping mindset is a mindset that says, I will get through this. That mindset says, I will win. I will survive. And not only survive, but I will thrive. And so that's kind of the mindset, but we're going to give you a few more tips here. And these are some things to think about. And the first one is something that we have in law enforcement, and it's said all the time, and it's posted inside our gyms and our training rooms. And actually what it says is you'll fight the way you train, so train the way you'll fight. Well, we do perform like we train, so train to win. And that can involve physical confrontations, so learn some tactics, maybe some self-defense and maybe some offensive tactics, if that's what you need to do to protect yourself. Oh, that's still defensive. Well, I understand. Do the same thing with first aid. If you go to a CPR class, for example, don't just breeze your way through. Get down there and work. Mm -hmm. Get down there and practice the way you would actually want to do it. Same thing with practice and bandage. Don't just wrap it around a couple of times and say, well, I'd keep going. Go ahead and wrap Mm -hmm. it. And There's a certain finesse Mm -hmm. to a splint and gauze and bandaging. And there's a certain finesse even to stopping the bleeding. And not to, you know, really mess up your mindset here because we don't want you to mess up your mindset. But understand something. If you're in a first aid medical emergency situation, the patient is likely either going to be unconscious or conscious and screaming. Can you deal with a child, 
an old man, a teenage girl? Can you deal with someone screaming in pain, screaming their head off? And you still have to forge ahead and do what you can do. But you've got to understand that a human being is going to respond the way a human being responds. And And we may, it hurts us more to have to deal with children like that. But that's not the time to panic. No, that's panic, not no. the time to forget your training. It's time to block everything out. Block out the fact that this is a small child that's injured, and think about I can save this child's life, but you I know, need to do what I need to do. Here's something else to think about. You may have to accept the fact that these things can happen to you, because you may be the patient. You may be. And that is something that we need to practice on. Can you put a tourniquet on yourself? Mm, there you go. Can you bandage your own arm? It's difficult, but it can be done. Mm-hmm, because stuff happens, so you've got to stay prepared. Yeah. Next thing is act. Do something. Now, years ago, my dad used to say, do something even if it's wrong. Well, we don't want you to do anything that it's wrong. But sometimes someone needs to step up and do something. And not freeze. Don't freeze. The usual reaction for a lot of people is to freeze. And you're getting better. You're getting a lot better. I think so, because I'm I'm intentionally thinking about that. I'm one of those fear paralysis people, because I guess I'm in shock if something happens initially, and sometimes I just don't come out of that as quickly as I should. We've got to break free from that. We're working on it. She's getting better, and we're breaking free from that. Because one day it could be me on the ground. I want her to know what to do, and I don't want her to freeze. You don't have to think out the whole plan before you act. Hmm. Now, let's just take a situation. Let's say it's a defensive situation. Move. Get off the X. Don't be where you are. If somebody's about to shoot, don't be there. Get off that X. Don't be the target. Seek cover and find a way to be safe. Anything else you want to add? Well, we just want you to have the proper mindset. Share with us your thoughts. We'd really like to hear from you. And we do thank Jim Curtis Knives for sponsoring today's episode. And if you haven't seen his work, go to facebook.com slash Jim Curtis Knives and look at all the beautiful knives that he puts on there. He puts pretty much every knife that he makes on there. And they are beautiful, and I do love the two that I have. And if you get in touch with him, tell him we sent you. And we'll see you next time. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.